Hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian, my co-pilot is Isaac, and this is a podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to Mobile Suit Gundam. From the anime, to the movies, to the models, to the food, if it's got a Gundam logo on it, we'll talk about it. On this week's episode, we conclude our review of the climactic 1988 film Mobile Suit Gundam Shars Counterattack. We'll pick up right where we left off with Axis descending towards Earth and Amuro in need of more psycho frames. One thing I noticed too was that Shar put the cockpit of his mobile suit, the Sazabi, in the head. So mm-hmm. he, I guess he learned from the Zeong that if you want to survive, you always put your cockpit in the head. <laughs> so that you get a jail free card. You'll, you'll live to fight <laughs> another day. He also had that chest cannon, oh, yeah. which destroyed like three Jaggins at one time. Yeah, nobody's ever thought there'd be like a chest cannon, belt buckle cannon, whatever that is. Yeah, they flew by and he's just like, oh, there they are. And he yeah. just, you know. If you saw it, would you, would you think so that was a cannon or would you think it looks like a vernier thruster and like that's just to have him maneuver more? I would at least be cautious yeah. that it perhaps was a cannon. I mean, if you see any red mobile suit and you're fighting Xeon, you should maybe retreat. I don't know. You should just run. Yeah. yeah. You should just run the other way, especially if you're piloting a, a yeah. Jagan of all things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did really like Bright and Lundo Bell's plan to blow up Axis from the inside. Yeah. This was basically Armageddon, the movie, before <laughs> Armageddon, the movie. What's What's cool about that is if you, I think, do you remember seeing where they're, I think they're in the colony hangar bay? And Amuro's explaining like where they are, where Fifth Luna is, and where Axis is, and he like holds up both of his hands, and then he lifts up a foot. <laughs> do you remember that? I do, I do. <laughs> this movie is just so, it's so dense. I think one thing I like about this movie is every time I watch it, I notice something new. Like this last time I watched it, two new things that I noticed were Amuro was like tuning the Psychomu on New Gundam before they left. It was just something for his character to be doing while someone else was talking. And like before, before, I guess I didn't really pay much attention to it. But then after rewatching it this time, he was tuning it because it wasn't ready yet and he needed to get it ready to go. And he eventually just said, look, it's fine. It's fine the way it is. Let, let's go. And then that, you know, later on, <laughs> the, uh, the funnels were too sensitive and that's what got Kayra killed. What, what could go wrong? I'll disappear in a flash of light. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, the second, the second new thing I noticed was, and like you said, the end is a little nebulous. The way I've always understood it, I did read different summaries of the end for this podcast to see which one I agreed with the most. And I think the one I like the most is the one that's on uh, Mech Anime HQ, which says that there was so much will gathered in one spot that it overloaded the cycle frame and the explosion, the the overload causes this event to happen. You felt like that was the best explanation. The, this was the culmination of everybody's willpower, maybe on Earth, maybe in the Earth sphere. Definitely at the battle, and they propelled the asteroid away from Earth. Yeah, I never felt like it involved the people on Earth. I thought it was just the people in the battle. But the thing I did notice this time was that Amuro was like, why aren't they helping? And then when he said that, like the psycho frame, uh, the one that Chan had brought, it was flying through space, and it passed the, the fleet with the GM-3s. And then when the psycho frame passed the GM-3s, I think that's when the GM-3s I th- which I think they're from like side one or side two. Something like that. That fleet yeah. over there. That's when they decided to go help. It was like they were triggered by the psycho frame. They got caught up in that in that desire to push Axis away. I guess I just hadn't made that connection before, but there's just lots of those little things. So every time you watch this film, I, I think there's something <laughs> new to see. Just because there's so much crap going on at the same time, that you're never going to s- notice it all uh, the first go around. Yep. 
one thing I noticed <laughs> that's very important for privacy in the world of the Universal Century is Amro was sleeping and Chance calling him on the video phone and it just turns on. Like <laughs> like if you're getting a call in the future, like they'll just see you immediately. Like you you won't have time to like, you know, make yourself composed <laughs> and then press like accept call button. No, it just turns on. And then like he woke up and he was talking to her and he's like, Give me ten minutes. <laughs> so your sleep will be disturbed. Or maybe that's a military feature actually. Like if you're in the ship and they need you, your phone will just, you know, the video phone will just turn on. It's interesting you bring up that scene because I thought the, just overall, the characterization for Amuro was perfect in this film. Whereas maybe Shars was a little less, you know, it was maybe yeah. more like a hard, a hard evil turn. But that was a great scene for Amuro's character because we, we all know that he, he has not had the most healthy relationships over the years. That part you're talking about happens right after he's dreaming about Lala. And so he, he wakes up and he's all flustered and he's really cold to Chan and I think she even says that like after she hangs up she goes like Amro you're so cold sometimes and that's so Amro right because he's he's a little bit maladjusted you know he doesn't necessarily handle all his relationships the best way a lot of them have not ended well perhaps he watched uh Lieutenant Matilda die his first quote crush I don't know that he's the best at dealing with interpersonal relationships as a, as a new type. Yeah, not only that, but you you really feel the stress from Amuro, like just running around, constantly having to deal with Char and save the world again. Of course he'd be tired. Of course he doesn't want to get woken up at the last minute. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. You really feel for Amuro as, as a guy that's under the gun, a lot of responsibility, overworked, underpaid, underslept, underfed. <laughs> and Yeah, yeah and I, I feel like that, that shows up in his piloting as well, yeah. right? I feel like because he's always trying to do something, he pilots like everybody is just in his way. And he kind of just effortlessly moves them out of his way by, you know, by taking them out one way or the other. Yeah, he's he's very much like a, almost a John McClane kind of hero, right? Like he's thrown in the situation and all right, I guess I'll cut the clean up the mess and be the hero. Yeah, absolutely. He goes out and he's like, oh, okay, well, they, they banked this way, yeah. so I'll just shoot him over Z here. Fine. Yeah. Then I move on to the next target. <laughs> Zeon, all right, I'll shoot him out of this. Oh, Char, all right. Let me explain <laughs> to Char while his ideas are wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I mean, yeah. they duked it out. They used their guns. They lost their guns, and they used their sabers. And so finally, I'm just like, fine, you're still not going down, so I'm just going to punch you and, and rip out your, yeah. your neck on the Sazabi <laughs> until you go down. And then I'll kick you, and then I'll just... <laughs> I'll just rip your your cockpit out and shove you into the the asteroid and make you watch me foil your plan. How many times do I have to show you Xeons to stop putting these <laughs> massive cables on the outside of your mobile suits? I think overall the strengths of this film are the Amro versus Char resolution and sort of intensity. You know, anything with bright in it was very good. The, the Federation being corrupt yet again is on display. You know, I agree with you, though. I think there are some, some weaknesses in terms of the backstory of, of how Char got to where he is. There's a lot of characters here who are all new. You know, I think maybe if, I guess, <clears throat> what, do you think it would have been different for you or maybe some other people that feel that way if, if instead of new characters, all these characters were familiar? It definitely would have felt different. That actually would have felt better, I think. That would have felt more like we're getting closure if Sayla was there. A lot of other characters that we saw from the original series, maybe some from Zeta, you know, yep. it just would have been so much more of an ending. But at the same time, that doesn't really make sense now because we know long after this movie, there's going to be <laughs> more Xeon 
And um, <laughs> yeah, so this isn't really the end of the story for Zeon or the Federation at all. Just Amuro and Shar. In a way, it's kind of, maybe not sad is the right word, but not sufficient, I feel like. Or it, in a way, it sort of minimizes Amuro and Shar to just, they were just two guys caught up in the war, just like so many other officers and soldiers and pilots and civilians because there's, this is Neo-Zeon Federation War is going to keep going on for decades. One, one thing that I've always regretted about the film is that it doesn't have Camille in it and it doesn't have Sayla in it. <laughs> what would Camille do? Like they just, you see him getting wheeled around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I f- <laughs> presumably. Spoiler <he's> alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Things don't go great for Camille. <laughs> Well, presumably, I was hoping that he would have recovered by this point. How? I don't know. <laughs> they, they've got great technology in the Universal Century. I just feel like Camille and Char, they developed a great bond in Zeta. And to not see Char receive any judgment from Camille for his actions is a bit disappointing. I think it would have just been a better a better movie. Same thing with Sela. I mean, Sela's a little bit different because... Um, you know, she was left out of Zeta because her her voice actress wasn't available for Zeta. Right. And that's like a huge thing in Japan. If if your uh, voice actor or actress is not available, then they they take that very seriously and they will not, uh, you know, put that character in, in the film typically. <clears throat> and so in Zeta, she was replaced with Beltagica, uh, essentially. You know, maybe they wouldn't have served the exact same role. But, you know, in, in the original Mobile Suit Gundam novel, you know, Amuro and Sela sort of fall in love and had this romance and so i just think if sayla had been involved you know maybe instead of kayra we had sayla that would have felt more organic right i mean because all of a sudden you're introduced oh this is kayra she's number two and then she kind of just goes and dies and you don't really have too much attachment to kayra other than you're like oh that sucks her and austin Oz were a thing and now they're both dead like that's that's a bummer yeah who's but gonna it, eat their pasta <laughs> yeah like again with he pasta. made a, he made enough for two people <laughs> Now no one's gonna eat it. So I, I don't know. I, I've always felt that was kind of a kind of a missed opportunity. Absolutely. You know what? This convinces me even more that this movie didn't completely stick the landing and having more characters, making it an ensemble final movie or final season would have been so much more satisfying, just like you said. Like it would have felt like such a callback to everybody that we've seen before. God, can you imagine if like even like members of the 8th MS team show up or something. Like if they redid this, like, you know, you see Sanders out there in a Jigen or something, that'd be like, wow. Um, yeah, I feel like that'd be so much better. It'd be like those Power Rangers episodes where mm. like, um, like Tommy <laughs> like, comes back. Yeah. Something like that. Or like all the Red Rangers team up yeah. and like they have to like fight this new enemy or something. Like yeah. they get the Red Rangers from like the past 10 seasons to show up once <laughs> or they just get like multiple season Power Rangers to just reunite for like one episode and it, I don't know. I feel like that it was a, it was a missed opportunity. Ultimately, it could have been done better. I understand it wasn't. Maybe Tomino's vision was yes, I will have the big movie and it'll be a great ending to all this. But that's not what happened. It wasn't as good as it could have been. And Quest never should have had as much <laughs> screen time as she should have as she got. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. some of that is is also just due to circumstance, right? You know, for, for all we know, a series was never on the table, right? I mean, they probably just said, okay, well, you can, we'll let you wrap it up, but, you know, you get two hours. And if he knew he already couldn't use Sayla because of the voice actress thing, who knows? I mean, I don't know what was going through his head 30 years ago. 
I certainly think it was was good. I really like the movie, but yeah, there there are probably some some things that thirty years later, in hindsight, do we wish it had more of this or or, or maybe a little less of this? Certainly, but there's a few funny things I noticed too. If you remember Mariah and and her daughter, they're like driving through like a downtown area, and there's like a robbery behind them. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And there's like there's like a bombing and an explosion that takes out like the the road behind them. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and no but one seemed just, to care they, they too just, much. Yeah, they just continue forward. She kind of like looks through her like side view mirror, and then she's just like, oh. And then she like goes back to talking to her daughter about like <laughs> I don't know Hathaway or I wonder how like Dad's doing in space or something. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to keep them focused. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that too. What was that about? They, we didn't really. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe that was her plan to keep her focused. Like you know what? I can't help the situation. We're just gonna keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, if you remember. Hathaway's allowed on the bridge, mm-hmm. right? And like Bright says, you know, oh, if, you know, you can watch the battle from here. If you get scared, you can go to my quarters. And then everyone on the bridge transfers to the combat bridge, <laughs> <laughs> just leaving Hathaway exposed on like maybe the one main target of any Neo Zeon mobile suit, right? <laughs> they would attack the yeah. bridge. Yeah, that's true. So. Yeah. And God, can you imagine leaving your son alone to watch like a battle by himself <laughs> where, where like he could possibly die at any moment? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I could not. God, you know, that's the Noah parenting style. You just hope the further best <laughs> for your kids. <laughs> oh, Bright. Did you notice that at the end there, there was really sad? I think there was a moment where Bright, like his face, you could just tell that he knew that Amaro was dead and that he wasn't coming back. You know, because up to this point... Amuro was the one person that had always succeeded, right? And you can tell that it's hitting Bright hard, that he's not going to come home this time. And you can e- you can even see that in Unicorn. Bright has the framed picture of Amuro on the wall Man. In, in Unicorn, which is, which is pretty sad, right? Because yeah. after Shara's counterattack, uh, Bright is kind of, I mean, besides Kai, but no one really likes Kai, right? Yeah. Where Where is Kai? <laughs> You know, there's there's no one really left from that original white base crew. I mean, Mirai, but you know, she's no longer in in active duty. Yeah, they're they're kind of the only ones they got. Like yeah. they had a rocky they had a rocky relationship at least in the beginning. But like, surrogate brothers, more or less, brothers, yeah. but blood brothers, blood blood <laughs> brother battle brothers. I don't know whatever the the military term is. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I thought that was really sad. But um, did did yeah. did Nanai make it out? I don't remember if she died. They never really show. I assume she lived to fight another day because they don't show her dying. She was with, you know, the the admiral that they have in Xeon or whoever's running the ship. And uh, they're just kind of observing from far enough away. So my headcanon is she and whatever's left of Shars Neo Xeon, they went on to make the sleeves. Well, that, that ship certainly did. That that ship is the same ship in Unicorn. It's a, yeah. they repaired it. The Rarula. Rarula. Yeah. God, yeah. again with the. Hard names, terrible Zeonic names, but that'll all end thanks to not only the great Dagwin but King Space Pig. <laughs> he will ascend the ranks. <laughs> yes, prepare for battle and prepare for the buffet. <laughs> yeah, first, first order business: simplify the naming scheme of, of Zeonic suits. <laughs> we will only be using compound nouns and no made-up words, <laughs> no consonants next to each other. <laughs> yeah. So how about the uh, how about the mobile suits, Isaac? This was like, in a way, peak Xeon because Ghiradogas, I thought were 
the ultimate evolution of Zaku's, it felt like, right? They look so awesome. And yes, I'm talking about Zeon first because Zeon is such a awesome designs. <laughs> <laughs> that said, Jack Dogas thought they were all right. You know, I, I, I'm glad they made something pretty distinguished for like the officers and uh, higher ups. Sazabi and the new Gundam. I think the new Gundam takes the cake. Sazabi looks a little bit too much like a, a bird of paradise for my taste. Oh, and yeah and um well it's it's so rare but then again i'm not really into shar um on the federation side you know the jigans and the rigazi they're okay i guess they were they were passable they were very federation so they look very utilitarian not very flashy very standardized simple in a way overall though the designs were great in the animation and as old as the animation is, I think it still held very well for Mobile Suit Combat. Yeah, I, I agree on the animation comment. I, I think I said this during the F91 review, but to me, this this film looks better than F91 to me. I don't know why. I guess maybe it's the color palette in F91 is weird on the on the Federation side. The Crossbow Vanguard suits certainly look pretty damn great in F91, but on the whole, I think this movie looks better. And and again, I, I can't pinpoint why, but the Riga Z. <laughs> has always just kind of been like a weird thing to me. So right, the the Riga yeah. Z is like a, is a simplified Zeta Gundam that uses what's called a back weapon system instead of like a full transformation into the Wave Rider mode because it was like too expensive to make more Zeta Gundams or something. And there were um, interesting fact there were two units made of the Riga Z. There was this one in hmm. the charged counterattack which gets destroyed, but then there was another unit made sometime between then and, and unicorn because there's another regazi unit on the rock high loom during uh, the laplace incident so i thought that was interesting that one one of them is still in service um but just overall the design has always been a little underwhelming to me it's, it's like trying to be a zeta gundam but like different but it's not it's not as iconic as a zeta gundam and i don't know just in the movie it kind of gets its ass kicked all the time right like amuro does it does well with it in the beginning but you can tell that the sasabi is clearly outclassing the Rigazi and that Amuro is not going to win you know in in the Rigazi the Rigazi doesn't doesn't feel like a main character suit what, what do you think about the Rigazi Isaac is it underwhelming to you pretty much I felt like someone was told to draw a Gundam using like only triangles because <laughs> <laughs> like it's very it's very angular, it's very angular. Yeah. yeah thank you <laughs> You took the words right out of my mouth. It's very angular, and it's almost like they gave it to people, I would assume, that you're good, but you're not good enough. Like, you'll be able to mop up those Ghiradogas, but if a Jagdoga shows up or some other kind of acer officer, you're in trouble. And that's about as well as it performs. It's got, like, a weird kind of half-transformation thing. And, yeah, I, I, I would be curious if anybody's a big fan of it let alone was excited to buy a model for it <laughs> you know you wouldn't you just would get a gundam or another cooler mobile suit right yeah yeah for sure this isn't something yeah. as like a lover of charge counterattack i don't feel the need to go out and buy a regazi model please don't <laughs> they don't do make waste one. your time they do <laughs> i'm sure they do i'm sure they make leos but there's no need to go and get them <laughs> Oh, but I think that's what also bothers me is that is the Rigazi really the best that the Federation could muster for this operation? Like if if Shar is attacking and the best you got is this, it, you were you were unprepared. 
Yeah. Well, the Federation's always called their pants around their ankles. But um, this was this was a case of putting a prototype into a war zone. You know, it just comes off as fragile. I guess its weapons are accurate. That's a that's the best I could say for it. Other than that, it doesn't look like it could take a lot of damage. I guess it's moderately fast, but I don't know. If you put like more vernier thrusters on a Jigen, you might be able to get the same results. <laughs> yeah, there was that one cool part in the beginning where, uh, again, Amuro being a badass, Yune was like going after him, and he he let out some some fakes fake regazes you know those like balloons but one of them turned out oh, to be yeah. a mine and it just like blew <laughs> Gune's, it just blew Gune's mind he's like that was a mine and like you know yeah. it, like it screwed up his his suit and he got shot yeah Amro schooling Gune in the regazy is pretty embarrassing it just highlights the skill gap but yeah so regazy meh new Gundam though what a great design here simple color scheme black and white it, it looks like a mature Gundam fully evolved form of the Gundam um, and that's perfect, given that this is the fully evolved form of Amuro, right? So let's let's talk a little bit about the psycho frame. Amuro talks about how you know he he designed New Gundam himself, but they the, the people at Anaheim they added on the psycho frame, which was leaked to them by it turns out Shar Shar's Neo Zeon had this psycho frame technology, which is essentially embedding nano particle psychomus into the into the frame. And Shar leaked this to Anaheim on purpose so that when he dueled Amro, it could be on even terms. Which goes back to your point that everything that Shar does is about Shar. He is the most important. So his duel with Amro has to be perfect. So he leaked information to make it so. That's arrogant, but it's also so, I don't know, like self, uh, self-centric, right? Yeah, it's very sure <laughs> to want an even fight, but at the same time think that he could win the even fight because he's superior naturally. Right. And it doesn't work out. <laughs> no, it backfires on him. <laughs> Do you take this to mean Shar would have won had he not given it away? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Well, I don't know if he would have won, but he certainly wouldn't have... Um... I mean, Amuro wouldn't have been able to push back Axis. Hmm. So in a way, Ashar defeated his own plan. Yeah, actually. Ashar <laughs> is no one to blame but himself. God, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the new Gundam, the, the fin funnels look great. It, this, this Gundam looks cool, I think, because it's so... It's, it's so Yeah, it's so asymmetric. Because, right, the, yeah. funnel, the fin funnels are only on one side. They form, like, what looks to be a cape. And... You know, with the black and white, he looks like a like a space pirate, which which is I just think it's cool. <laughs> um, and he has the one saber off to the side on one shoulder, and it's like the the cooler saber that has a it has a beam, um, like like hilt, like a beam pommel thing at the end mm-hmm. that goes out the bottom, as well as like a, a little cross thing, and it's shaped like a saber, not just a straight up and down thing. And if you ever have a new Gundam model, the putting the saber together is always one of my favorite parts because it looks it looks pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I just I don't know. I love the new Gundam, and then the high new Gundam looks even looks even cooler. But we can talk about that on on a different episode. Yeah, and can I just say that like the funnels themselves were, they were I've never seen funnels like that. They had such a cool design to them. They weren't just you know a gun on a booster, and they might be the coolest part of the new Gundam. Yeah, and they could make that little shield, which was neat. Yeah, they fold up, and they I don't know it, the the new Gundam was all designed completely well from head to toe it's it's on the short list of gundams i like (laughs) 
<laughs> shortlist of Federation mobile suits that I like and are willing to buy and build. I loved how the new Gundam's funnels. He he would just like destroy the other people's funnels with his own funnels. <laughs> it, it just Amuro's just like again just moving people out of his way. Like I, Amuro's like just constantly on a mission and everyone's just in his way. That that's my summary of Amuro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not, right? I mean, no, uh, people don't always go for the enemy funnels. Nope, he did. So, but poor Quest just got rocked. Well, that's what you get. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I guess she thought she was going to be immune in battle, but she got wiped out pretty quickly at the end of it. <laughs> and then Isaac stood and clapped. Yeah, and I said, "That is not the heir to the Noyazil." <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 Jagan, man, I get that they need like a like an army suit, you know, but this one's pretty bland, Isaac. I've never liked the Jagan. It's. I'll. I'll say this. I'm sure it did well enough against Giradogas, but everything else slaps it around, right? Jagdoga, Sazavi, just even regular like capital ship fire, like we saw with the poor scout team that yeah. went to go check out the Neozeon fleet at the <laughs> um, uh, what should have been the peace the peace handoff. Mm, yeah, yeah, they just got blown away by the capital ship cannons, you know, <laughs> which is pretty rare for um mobile suits to be hit by capital ship cannons and their defense are being were they were being overwhelmed by fire but yeah nothing to say about the jigans it looks kind of cool i mean it's a very sort of streamlined design i'll say that i like the color sort of a pale blue i think i would um, like it more if it had more colors hmm like it's just very monochromatic yeah i don't know for me it's it's not bad. Not great. Not okay. bad. All right. I did read that apparently the GM3 is oh God. N- is is a bit faster and and more has, has wow. more, more weapons, but they still don't use it. I guess the Jagan is must be cheaper or something. Sounds like the Federation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Jagan is in service for 30 years, Isaac. That's true, right? We see them in mm-hmm. in a F91. We do. We see them in Unicorn F91. Uh, all the F90 prequel stuff. Uh, it's Jagan's the, everywhere. It's, it's the Solomus of mobile suits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that thing's just never going away. We built too many, or it's, it's such a cheap, reliable design. It, it'll be here until the end of time. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on the Garadogas. I thought those were great. What did you think about f- resin? Her and her blue one. I thought that was a good one. Yeah, I guess I'd wonder what the rationale is for not giving her a Jagdoga. Do you have to be a new type to get a Jagdoga? And they're like, well, you're an ace here. <laughs> we'll, we'll paint We'll paint it blurple. <laughs> so I don't know. That, that was pretty cool. I like that she was, you know, I would like to see more of her. She was a really interesting character. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's yeah. another, you know, another point on the scale yeah. of too many characters Could've. probably. Yeah. But um, I agree. And I, I think having a foldable shield on the Giradogas might be a mistake. I think it might be better if it's solid. <laughs> <laughs> but what can you do? Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, the uh, the the Jagdogas or the Yachtdogas, which I believe is the correct pronunciation. Yeah, they they are new type use suits. They're basically uh, a, a Giradoga but souped up for for new types. Even though they, I'm glad that they look different though than the Giradogas. You know, you don't want everything yeah. to be too samey. So I think that was good that they at least made it different. Yeah. It doesn't really look like a callback to any other previous Xeon mobile suit either. It's very kind of bird-like, hawk-like. Yeah. I like the color yeah. schemes that they had. They were both very unique. Yeah, they weren't bad. 
Gina had that really cool like commander antenna. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. And then the Alpha Azeru. Uh, why don't you Why don't you rant to us about the Alpha Azeru, Isaac? It's not that great, people. It's just it's an ugly color. It's an ugly design. I don't know why it has those massive fuel containers on the bottom. They just look so bulky and unwieldy. It's it it faces a lot of problems mobile armors always face. It's too big for its own good, and at the end of the day, it's just a glorified single-person gunboat. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, I don't know why instead of bits, they gave it those control-by-wire kind of cannons. You remember those, like, four four particle cannons that it had? It did, yeah. She had, she yeah. had, she had bits or funnels, whichever one, as well as those wire-guided things, which I thought was strange. Yeah. We hadn't seen those in a while. So yeah. Right, that's kind of a step back. Like, the whole point of the bits is that you don't need the wire. <laughs> so I don't know why they decided to bring it back, but yeah, I it, it I I would be very surprised if there's a lot of Alpha A zero fans or model owners because it's just it, it's kind of an ugly design, you know, beige. Never a good color for Gundams, <laughs> or I mean, never never a good color for mobile suits or robots. It, even in the desert, you know, a desert camel looks better than just all beige, all khaki. It doesn't have any legs, no arms. Gunboat is a very good description of this because I don't really know how else to describe it. it. It was essentially a bulky platform to move bits into combat. You know, it it's not. It doesn't have any type of really cool main mega particle cannon or anything like that, or a missile rack or stuff like that. It just had those fly by wire things and some bits. So I I have no idea who was gonna pilot it before Quest, but they dodged a bullet. <laughs> did you I, it did have like a, a cool mouth beam though right yeah i think so but did it really fire it that much no maybe, probably a, maybe a few, few times. times yeah yeah and i don't think it really came off as being you know a fleet destroyer which is i mean say what you will about gato but the noia zeal clearly looked like it, t- it could take on fleets <laughs> yeah that's true so, and and here we are two steps backwards with the with the alpha azer <laughs> Yeah, and, and like we talked about last week, you know, the the Alpha Azeru is a descendant of the of the Noiseel, much to Isaac's chagrin, I'm it's sure. The deformed descendant. <laughs> <laughs> I, so one thing that's always bothered me about the Alpha Azeru is it died from like a single missile. Yes, <laughs> it took one hit to kill Quest. Like I'm glad it hit Quest, but at the same time, was it just not armored? Like was it hit in the right spot? You know, man, it's just, I, I don't know. Uh, the Absolus took a lot of hits to kind of go down, <laughs> right? And then ultimately they had to destroy the cockpit itself with a punch. Uh, <laughs> this was clearly the opposite, where whatever armor or eye field or lack thereof that it had, it was just easy to down, you know. A, a, a group of Jigans, maybe one Jigan could have probably taken it out with like a lucky shot if that's what the extent of its defenses were. Yeah, this is going to be my way to rationalize it. So they were both standing still, or floating still, right, in space. Uh, they weren't really moving. They were just kind of across from each other. So m- maybe the missile was aimed at the Alpha Azeru's weak point, and because Quest didn't move out of the way, that's what it hit, and, and, and it kind of blew up. Maybe in a normal battle, you know, you, you don't get those stationary shots, and such a shot in a normal battle is very unlikely 
but because maybe they were standing, you know, they were just floating still, it just kind of went up and through the vent and, and, and blew up. That That's the way I'm going to rationalize it. I don't know. Oh, up into the vent, the space vent. <laughs> it was a, you know. Expo- <laughs> yeah. Who, who built her, who built the Alpha Azeru? Are you saying it was the same people that built the first Death Star? <laughs> yeah. And they like left the, uh, the grate off that exhaust port. <laughs> yeah. Chan trusted her instincts and, you know, used the force. Yeah. Good for you, Chan. I mean, Ch- Chan, you went down in history as killing the most annoying character in, in the Universal Century. <laughs> Uh, and, and I guess the other thing that's always bothered me about the Alpha Azeru is just I, were they really short on like cyber new type pilots that you just handed this to Quest? You know, you've only met known her for like three days. I mean, I yeah. W- who was gonna get it? That's my question. Is this was this supposed to be for Gune? And they changed their mind at the last minute. You know, did did Gune's little comment about Sela <laughs> end up like getting him kicked off the uh, the list for the Alpha Azer? <laughs> did you hear what he said about Lala? Don't give yeah. it to him. Make him pilot that crappy Yakdoga. Shar's like Shar shows up with like a, li- a, a a seating arrangement right before the battle. <laughs> Nanai's like, "What's this?" And he's like, "I had a last minute change. We're changing pilots for the Alpha Azer." <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So that's never made sense to me either. But uh, yeah, the Sazabi. I really like the Sazabi. I think it was good. I like that the Sazabi and the new Gundam look completely different. It, the Sazabi is like huge, but it's very maneuverable because it has all those thrusters on it. I think the Sazabi, one of the th- coolest things is it has a lot of really unique weapons. It has a beam tomahawk and a beam shotgun and a stomach cannon, which are things that we don't see very often. Because I remember we were talking one episode, I forget which one about if we've ever seen a beam shotgun, and the Sazabi has one. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It just seems very Char to me. I, I like it. Um, one interesting point I'll note note here is that due to all the stuff that has come after Char's counterattack, we now know like what suits these suits were developed from. Um, so the new Gundam was developed from the narrative Gundam, uh, which you can see, I, th- I believe, in Gundam Narrative, which, you know, that's obviously very new. That, that was not around uh, back in 1988, but then the Sazabi, I believe, was developed from the Moon Gundam, um, which is the, the the ongoing manga that fills in the gap between Double Zeta and Char's Counterattack at the moment. And then the the Sazabi was eventually developed into the Sinanju, which we see in Gundam Unicorn, which is piloted by Full Frontal. Mm-hmm. Very fitting. What do you like better, the Sinanju or the Sazabi? Probably Sinanju. Not by a lot, though, because as we all know, Char Aznable is a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> the Sinanju has much more normal proportions, I'll say. Well, the proportions aren't as good as the proportions on the Great Dagwin. <laughs> <laughs> the pride yeah. of the Zeonic Navy. <laughs> what did you think about, speaking of the Great Dagwin, what did you think about the Rolula? R- or just the capital ships in this in this show? The Rock Kailum was pretty cool, you know. Yep. Definitely looks more interesting than a Magellan. The Klops, not too bad either. I think I heard an officer call the other ships of the line for um, Zeon, the Musakas. But yes. um, overall, I'm not a fan of the all-red Neo-Zeon ships, even the Rulula. The format and layout of the ship is very Crossbone Vanguard, I feel like. Mm-hmm. If you look at a lot of the Crossbone Vanguard ships, they have a lot of the same style. Maybe that's some type of you know wink-wink, nod-nod, or something like that. But... um. Yeah, it didn't feel very Xeon to me. 
Really? Because I, I always I thought you would have liked the Rulula because it, it's kind of like the successor to the, the no, Guazine. No, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> the Guazine has like a forward bridge. Remember, it's got like the sleepy cat eye, yeah. sleepy catfish bridge, yeah. and this has an actual, you know, towering bridge. Towering like bridge. they, you know, took a few notes from the Federation. Mm-hmm. So design wise, they're pretty different. Yeah, they're red. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Just insulting Zeon left and right here pretty much but eh, i mean it was a very char ship right it's red it's kind of flashy he he made sure it was only the, the only one of its kind right say what you will about the guadins but they like there are multiple ones of that kind yeah so they didn't just build one and say well this is for the leader so <laughs> <laughs> it's a very char way of running your your navy <laughs> make it red it makes it go faster yeah make it red and i get the biggest ship <laughs> So I guess a few last things before we finish up. We've talked a lot about how there were a lot of various side characters here that you know, maybe there were too many and because of that they all didn't get enough time. But out of those characters, I'm I'm curious which ones you think were the best. So we've got like Chan, we've got Kara, uh Gune, Quest, Nanai, and Resin, who we just talked about even a little bit at the end there in Hathaway. Out of those, who do you think was sort of the best? You know, like who is number three? In this in this film, right? Number one and two are Amaro and Shar, and well, maybe three is bright. So who's number four? Boy, that's hard. I'm not gonna say Hathaway. Maybe Chan, because like we meet Chan right at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. and she had such a tragic role to play in the story and a tragic end. In a way, she was. I don't know. I wouldn't say she was pointless. But she she sort of embodied so many other characters we've seen in every other series leading up to here. She was the personification of the victims of the war. You know, she she died horribly and she had a relationship with one of the main characters who had survived up until now. I would say she's my three just because she was also able to put Quest in her place in a way. And, <laughs> you know, extra she, points for that. Yeah, she was she was technical. She was confident, and competent. She was willing to do the right things. She was a tragic heroine. I like Chan yeah. a lot. I, th- I thought she was a good fit for Amaru. Yeah, she's. They worked well together. I liked Resin a lot. I I agree. I wish we had seen more of her. There was that really funny line where she's taking off, and she was uh, getting upset at what they were telling her to do, and the the people in the the tower, or the bridge, or whatever, were saying. Well, whatever. You're just gonna do whatever you want anyway when you launch. So just go for it. <laughs> I thought that was very, very meta. <laughs> Why give you orders? You're just gonna do what you want. Where you feel. And then yeah, Gune and Quest. Yeah, again, I, I liked Gune a little much better than Quest. But um, I thought Nanai Nanai was a, a really interesting character as well. Um, like you could do a story about like the early days of the sleeves. You know, she leaving the battlefield and Shard's counterattack and let's just picks up on like how she's going to put it together. You know, Shard's gone. It's up to her to kind of piece things together and mm-hmm. keep things going. Cause she was, she seemed to be running everything for Shar. She was, yeah, her, she was holding it all yeah, together for sure. Her and those like, you know, two old men that looked like they were just <laughs> more like parasites. Right. Oh she yeah. Actually, the ones directing yeah. his speech, I think. Yeah. They, they at least seem like parasites, but mm-hmm. she seemed like a true believer and was actually doing, you know, actual fleet planning and, you know, the organization and all that. Nanai is in like a, a prequel manga. It might even be Moon Gundam. I don't remember exactly which one it is, but apparently her and Shar met at the, N- Nanai worked at the new type labs 
like the the cyber new type labs so that that's how they know each other oh okay that's why she can kind of turn well i guess she turned gune into a cyber new type and then yeah kind of within the off screen within minutes she was able to do the same to quest <laughs> yeah all of a sudden oh well she's been enhanced now oh wow Get, they got really really yeah. efficient at that do you know what the process is for that like do, do you have head cannon on how that actually works because we hear about it we don't necessarily ever see it though yeah um my head cannon is that they, they always talk about psycho waves right which are the the brain waves that only new types emit so maybe yeah. they maybe they figure out that person's psycho waves and they try to poke and prod at that portion of the person's brain that's making those waves yeah i'm kind of halfway there too i mean i cyber new type okay so my head thinks there must be some type of technological implant or something that they can only do to a few people or certain people because otherwise they'd be slapping this up you know the noses of every pilot they have so it has to be maybe some type of implant or some type of surgery where a device goes in your head and some type of electronic device or it's a mix of that and maybe i don't know some type of pharmacological addition yeah you know they make you pop mm. pills once a night or something <laughs> like that and like oh you know you'll, you'll, you'll have weird dreams but you'll be a better pilot or something yeah yeah who <laughs> so, knows who knows yeah maybe maybe it is depicted in some manga out there that we don't know about we'll see. We'll do i can't re- i can't remember it in any um filmed work We'll add it to our list of side stories. We'll have Cyber Gundam. <laughs> Cyber Gundam. So again, because we're going to get a Hathaway show soon, what do you think Hathaway's headspace is, is like coming out of this film? Poised, sad on the inside, ready to see his family. Who, who does he hate at this point? Does he hate anybody? I well, mean, he joins. A, I mean, he you know he joins an anti-federation organization. So do you think he he must blame the Federation for all this? Yeah, yeah. I w- well, I wouldn't say the Federation, but he's definitely anti-war and wanting to create a better world, which, as we all know, the, the road to hell is paid with good intentions. <laughs> so we will see where this line of thinking leads him as far as making a better world and fighting for what type of reality he thinks should exist. I forget where I was reading it. Some comment somewhere I read said Hathaway inherits Amaro's philosophy and Shard's will or something like that. I don't know. I thought that hmm. was interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. And then last thing, I thought this uh, film had a great soundtrack. We don't. We haven't talked a lot about soundtracks on this podcast before. We will probably do uh, an episode on Gundam openings and Gundam endings at some point. I thought this film soundtrack was great. The main theme is especially good as well as the, the ending theme beyond the time uh, it's classic uh but my i think my favorite track on the soundtrack is the new gundam theme and that's played when the new gundam approaches which is maybe one of my favorite scenes in the in the movie where i think it happens it might even happen twice people are fighting and then just this massive beam comes blazing through and it causes everyone to kind of you know stop in their tracks and be like oh what the what the heck was that and just these beams start coming in and, vroom, vroom. and uh, you know they their armor is about to just you know wreck their faces so uh really like the really like the new gundam theme did you did you have any reaction to the soundtrack isaac yeah the first time seeing this the opening music with like the violins and it's it just comes off as so ominous in the opening titles like you think a battle's about to happen or something but it's an asteroid drop so I, I felt like that really hooked you in with the music. 
came off very very you sinister know good is gonna happen in this movie <laughs> yeah you're like oh boy this really is the end this is the final battle talk about a body count right so for those maybe those longtime Gundam fans you may know that Tamino's nickname fan I assume it's fan given is kill em all Tamino the body count in this movie is uh it's pretty big you got Amuro, Chan, Keira, Asinash, Gune, Quest, Resin, Adenauer Pariah. <laughs> the population of Lhasa, Tibet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just in terms of like characters that you met during the, sh- during the film, almost all of them die. I mean... The only ones left are Bright, Nanai, arguably, and Mirai. But that's because Mirai was on Earth. Hathaway. And, and Hathaway, yeah. Their daughter. <laughs> Everybody else, dead. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I mean, hot damn. How many movies that you go to the theater these days and watch, does that happen? Few to none, but it makes sense. They thought this would be the final chapter, the the closing of the series, but it didn't really happen, so it made sense that a lot of people would die. I'm surprised they didn't have more people yeah. die, actually, like bright, bravely using the ship using the rock high loom to try to push the asteroid away even if his men try to stop him <laughs> oh yeah for sure yeah this was bright at his peak right i yeah. mean he did he did so much to try to stop axis right he launched those nukes he executed that plan by putting his team on axis and getting them in there to to break it apart with their own nukes uh and then yeah he wanted to push it away with with the rock high loom at the very end yeah. and his and his team had to tell him hey you know don't don't do that. <laughs> it's not a good Where's idea. a um where's a solar system when you need it? <laughs> oh yeah. No, right. It would have helped so much. Yeah. Bring it back. Speaking of solar system, there's a scene where they're like using a laser on a colony to try to attack Fifth Luna as it's heading towards Earth. Do you remember that? I do, but then they get attacked by Neo Zeon agents or something. I guess agents or, yeah. or sympathizers, right? Yeah. Um that I mean is the Federation just installing long-range lasers on colonies now? And, like, we just never hear about it again? That seems like a really useful weapon. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. I don't remember that before. Amro kept calling it, like, the the laser attack or, or when, when, when will they support us with the lasers. And I was like, wow, we don't really see those before or after this, do we? Yeah, but, like, if you're able to shoot a laser from a colony at a side all the way towards Earth's, you know, very low orbit, why would you just have one? Like, this is kind of, you know, this is the grips without the grips laser, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it was was much smaller, I suppose, than than the grips laser, but... Yeah, it seemed very precise, though, um, you know. Maybe that one was under the control of the Federation, and that's why they had it? I guess, but that Xeon laser was just... (laughs) I mean, sorry, that Xeon agent... Did he throw like one too many grenades or what happened? <laughs> I don't know. He definitely blew himself <laughs> he up. He killed though. himself. In the name of Neo Zeon. <laughs> Classic Neo Zeon. Yeah. Here. Just, you got to be out of the room before you blow up that laser reactor. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Isaac. How many Haros would you give Shar's counterattack? On my scale of five, I would give Shar's counterattack a four out of five. All right, that's solid. Yeah. Uh, on my 10 scale, I think I'm going to give it a... <sighs> this is tough. Decisions. Is tough. Decisions. I think sentimentally, I really want to give it like a 10 out of 10 because it's, it's the climax. Uh, but I think realistically, it's 
probably more like a 8.5 out of 10 from a from a film perspective okay there are a lot of maybe too many characters but i think that's a little bit forgivable given the format that it's a film that it's two hours and they had to cram a lot in and then a lot of the other things that i think are weaknesses are kind of just my wish lists of like well i wish they had done this but I don't know if I can hold that against them too much, but yeah, I think I think eight and a half out of ten is a is a pretty respectable score for a thirty year old movie. Good. I mean, I stand by my score, but I would also put like an asterisk that didn't stick the landing as far as I'm concerned completely. Room for improvement, but uh, overall, a very solid Gundam film. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed our Charge Counterattack discussion. We're really interested to see what you think about Charge Counterattack. Do you think there were too many characters? Which characters were your favorite? How did you like Quest? Was she was she your favorite <laughs> new type girl of all time? You know, what were your favorite mobile suits? You know, what did you wish they did better? Did more of, less of? Let us know in the comments. What kind of pasta did they make? <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell me the type of noodle and like what what actually was like the sauce and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and be specific on the sauce. Was it yeah. like red sauce, white sauce? What kind of what kind of protein was in there? Was there no protein? Ooh, yeah. Which, yeah. Do you think yeah. Kara was like vegetarian? Was she yeah. Was she Italian sausage all the way, or was she a vegetarian? Yeah. You know, Find we out. ask the hard questions around here. I know. We'll add that to our cooking show episode where we like start <laughs> recreating Gundam food. <laughs> Ostinage's pasta. <laughs> with blood sauce <laughs> oh with blood sausage Ooh, there you go <laughs> oh man it's terrible yeah it could be one of those um pink sauces you know like brains there you go brains jesus really well her, her head got rocked in that <laughs> that's in that true suit, right yeah oh boy so, so terrible. You, have, you have to eat it out of a helmet <laughs> oh <laughs> Well, everybody, <laughs> I don't think we can cross any more lines. Yeah, on episode. that note. <laughs> <laughs> so please leave us a comment. You can uh, reach us on Twitter at Colony Dropcast, on Instagram, also at Colony Dropcast, or on YouTube. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Take care, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye.